We're in this series talking about transformed, experiencing the supernatural life of Christ. And being transformed means we, we know Christ and, and we become more like Christ and we, we, we have the love of Christ and we serve like Christ and we have the hope and, and faith and, and direction of Christ. It's supernatural life because it's Christ's life lived in and through us. And one thing the Bible is absolutely clear on is that supernatural life is only experienced by faith. It's only by faith. This is what Paul said when he wrote to the Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. You foolish Galatians who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Have you begun by the spirit, but now are you being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provide you with the spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand, beforehand to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. For as many as are the works of the law, they're under a curse. For it's written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all these things that are written in the book of the law to perform them. Now, that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not a faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This, this passage is self-evident. It's crystal clear. It, it's describing how we live life. And we can live based on practicing the law or our self-effort or what we see, or how we feel, or what seems right to us, and that's just being self-reliant. And it ends in death. It's a curse. We can live, actually, by a misplaced faith. You can live by faith, but you're putting your faith in the wrong object. You're putting your faith in something that isn't true, that isn't viable, that isn't dynamic, that isn't authentic. That's being deceived. Or you can live by faith in God and what God promises. That's being God-dependent. That's experiencing transformation. That's supernatural life in Christ. We experience supernatural life in Christ by faith. We are transformed by the Holy Spirit by faith. We come to know Jesus Christ by faith. And the Bible is filled with all the examples of what that means. In fact, there's a whole chapter in it in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Fame of Faith, where it just mentions different people who please God because they live by faith. And it talks about how Noah worked and built an ark, even amidst all the opposition and accusation 
of people, but he did it by faith. Abraham accepted the promise of God and left his country and went to a place he didn't even know by faith. Abraham accepted the promise of God that he was going to be the father of many nations by faith. Moses went back to Egypt and led the people of Egypt out of Israel by faith. And then it follows the course of every person in the Hebrew scriptures that please God. And they please God because they lived by faith. And so it says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that seek him. And so here in Galatians chapter 3, it is telling us about this dynamic, supernatural life in Christ. Transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and it is a life of faith. We live by faith. We live by faith. I have three observations from this passage that just come from looking at what the passage says. First of all, from beginning to end, the Christian life is a life of faith. From beginning to end, it's a life of faith. There are 10 references in these verses, 10, to faith and believing. Any any approach to Bible study where you're trying to observe what's in the text and what the text is all about would, would conclusively show you this is about faith, living by faith from beginning to end. The Christian life is a life of faith. Paul, in the way he writes this to this Galatian audience, raises several rhetorical questions. And they have an implied answer. And the answer is faith. 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 The, the noun for faith in the Greek New Testament is pistis. And the verb is pistuo. It's used 450 times in the New Testament. 450 times. We start the Christian life by faith. We live the Christian life by faith. Now the alternative might be packaged in different varieties. But the alternative is living by works. Living by formulas. Living by self-imposed rules. Living by your own intellect. Living by what other people think. Living by what seems right to you. Living by your feeling response to your circumstances. Living by your resources. And that's why in the passage it's talking about the works of the law or by the flesh. See, there's only two ways to live. By faith. That is total abandonment to God. Trusting in God and stepping out based upon what God says is true. Believing it's true because God says it's true. And acting upon it. Or by your own interpretation, whatever drives that. Could be driven by religion, could be driven by self-confidence, could be driven by trying to please other people, could be driven by situational response to circumstances, but it's not driven by faith. So there's faith, and then there's everything else. And this morning, every person here is living their life right now by one of those two approaches. Paul says, are you so foolish, verse 3, that having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? See, the, the, the backdrop of this letter is Paul's writing to a group of people. He'd gone there. He'd preached the gospel to them. They'd heard the message, and they'd responded. They'd believed in Christ by faith. But now they were reverting from faith to another approach. So 
Strictly speaking by the context, Paul is writing to Christians who are trying to live their Christian life on a basis other than faith. They haven't abandoned their Christian life. They, 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 ha- they haven't said, well, that, I tried that and it didn't work. No, they are subtly moving away from trust in God and his word to trust in themselves and in their religious program and in their rules. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, you know how easy that can be? Do you know how easy that any of us can fall into that trap? We sincerely start by faith. We, we accept Jesus, that he died for our sins and rose again from the dead. We believe that, and we come into a relationship with God by faith, and we, we love God, and we want to grow, and we want to follow the Lord. But we start subtly thinking that what makes us spiritual or makes us godly or grows us up spiritually is following the program. Uh, go to church, check. Get in a Bible study, check. Um... Try to be a good person, check. Uh, go to a retreat, check. Um, get baptized, check. See, and you could put all kinds of things in there, but if you start thinking that doing those things is what makes you more godly, more Christ-like, more spiritual, you're following the works of the law. You're not living by faith. So is the answer not to do those things? No, it is to do those things, but to do them by faith. Trusting that's Jesus who transforms you, the Holy Spirit who makes you more spiritual, the Holy Spirit who makes you more like Jesus Christ, and that's a faith heart response. So it's real subtle, gang. It's very subtle. And every one of us can be victims of this works mentality where we've shifted our trust from the power of the Holy Spirit to our works. But from beginning to end, we we live by faith. It, it's like there's two bridges. I, I shared this when I was in, in Haiti, where, where we were at, at, at uh, the, the church that I had the privilege of preaching in, over 6,000 people. This was, uh, it's in English, would translate as Solid Rock Church. Um, it's right near a bridge, and, and so it's like there's Port-au-Prince, and then the, the greater area of Port-au-Prince, and then the suburbs of Port-au-Prince, and then there's this wash, this river, and then there's a bridge that goes across that connects to the area where we spent most of our time, which is Quadabouquet. Now, down that river and that wash is another bridge. So as I'm speaking to this audience, I talked about those two bridges. In their mind, they knew exactly what they were, what they liked, what they looked like. And I, and, I, and I alluded to the fact that in Haiti, we travel around on a tap-tap, which is basically like a converted pickup truck that you just jump on board and it drives down the street. And uh, when you want to get off, you tap and they stop and you get off. Therefore, it's called a tap-tap. So I said, let's say... You get on a tap-tap, and there's been a flood, there's been a rain, and it's come down, and it washed out one of those bridges. But the other bridge was, was sturdy and went across. And you got on a tap-tap, and you start going across the bridge, and unbeknownst to you, the bridge was washed out. You could have full expectation that that's gonna, that tap-tap's going to get you across the other side, but because the bridge has been washed out, as you are on that tap-tap and you start to go it reaches the point where the bridge has been washed out and it, you just go over and it ends in death. The, the problem was you got on the wrong bridge. See, there's a bridge of works. There's a bridge of self-effort. 
There's a bridge of what seems right to me. There's a bridge of my program. There's a bridge of my personal rules and moral code. There's a bridge of how I think life ought to be lived. And then there's the bridge of faith. If you're, if you're trying to drive on that bridge of your own works, it leads to death. It just does. That's what the Bible says. The only way to get to God, the only way to experience God, the only way to live a dynamic Christian life, an authentic Christian life, a transformed Christian life, is to live by faith. It's the only way. From the beginning to end, the Christian life is a life of faith. Now, faith, let's break this down. Faith has some elements for us to know that it's authentic biblical faith. Faith has content. There's an objective content of faith. In in New Testament studies, we call it the kerygma. Because keruso means to preach. Kerygma is the content of what is preached. We put our faith in God and what he says is true. And secondly, there's accepting that content as true. We, we, we accept it as true. And there, 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 there may be multiple convincing points and maybe you accept it as true because it's God's the one saying it. That's all you need. Or maybe you accept it as true because you researched it and you found it to pass the tests. Or maybe you accept it as true because you've tried everything else and you know it's false, so that's the only thing left. It's got to be true. But you accept it as true. And then there's a third thing. You personally engage with the messenger. What do I mean by that? Well, that, that means you personally connect with God as the one who gives the message. And sometimes, sometimes, your first engagement is with the person who gave you the message. Paul says over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, he said, when you heard from us the word of God's message, you became imitators of us and the Lord. You know, it's totally acceptable to at the first stage of faith to be trusting in the one who gave you the message. Maybe that's your parents. Maybe that's a pastor. Maybe that's a trusted friend. Maybe it's someone who knows a whole lot more than you do. But it's got to go beyond that. Just like with my kids, each of my children, when they were like three, four, five years old, all accepted Jesus into their heart. But when they became teenagers, they went beyond just Faith in me is the one who gave it to you. They, they established their own connection with Jesus. I was out of the picture. You, you understand what I'm saying? So there's a content. There's an acceptance of that content. There's a personal engagement with the messenger of that content. And here's the fourth thing that makes it biblical faith. There's action based upon it. You act based upon its truth. That's what makes it real faith. A.K.A. the great Blondin. Probably five, six, seven times I've told you that story about the tightrope walker, the great Blondin, right? How many think he can push the wheelbarrow across? Everybody. Okay, who wants to volunteer and get in the wheelbarrow? Everybody put their hand down. See, faith is getting in the wheelbarrow. It's, it's abandoning ourselves to what we believe in action. And this passage says, from beginning to end, the Christian life is a life of faith. And that's where there's spiritual transformation. And you just apply that to every part of your Christian life. Salvation. At some point in your life, 
If you're here and you believe in Jesus Christ, you heard the message of Jesus. And you accepted it as true. And you personally engaged with, with, with Jesus or maybe with the person who gave you the message. And then because you received it into your life, you then acted upon it like, I'm now a follower of Jesus Christ. That's faith. Now, take that to every part of your Christian life. Go beyond salvation to now you're, you're a follower of the Lord. You're, you're, in the, you're in the trenches. And you're being pulled and pressed because your marriage is falling apart. And you've got to decide, what does God want me to do? And you read in the Bible what it says about husbands love your wives and wives submit to your husbands and both of you bless one another and forgive each other and and speak truth to each other and encourage one another and respect one another. And everything in you is saying, I just want to bail and hope I find a newer and better model. But by faith, by faith, you believe this is truer than how you feel. And you accept that message as true and you engage with the one who gave it, God himself, and you say, God help me because I'm gonna take a risk of faith and do what you're telling me to do rather than what I feel like doing. And then you act by engaging with your spouse and forgiving them and trying to speak truth to them and encourage them and receive that back and work on your marriage. That's living by faith. Or... You, you, you read in the Bible all that it says about finances and materialism and stewardship and offerings and tithes, and you go, but I just, I want to, I live here in South Orange County, and I don't want to go to Haiti. I, I want to be comfortable. I, I want this and that and everything else. I want what my neighbor has. And then you read more in the Bible, and you go, oh, okay, okay. Lord, I, I want to live a life that pleases you. And I want to wear the cloak of materialism lightly. And so by faith, I'm going to accept what your word says is true. And, and I'm going to offer this, this money to you, to your kingdom, to help people hear about Jesus, to help the kingdom of God grow. I'm going to, I'm going to act upon what you say is true I mean, I really feel like it, but I'm living by faith, and by faith, I'm going to steward my finances in a way that blesses you, Lord, and other people. By faith. Or, or maybe you're struggling with some, some issue that the devil is just beating you down with, and, and, and you're starting to believe his lies, and you're caving into the temptation, and, and it's a real struggle. Am I going to sin and compromise or am I going to be obedient and be holy? And, and to tell you the truth, today I feel more like sinning than I do being holy. <laughs> today, right now, my desire to just go with the flow is stronger than my desire to be a righteous, godly person. But that inner voice and conviction says, no, God says this. This is the way God wants you to live. And these are the promises that God gives you to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And no temptation is come upon you, but it's common to man. And with the temptation, God's going to provide a way of escape also. And, and uh, there's, there's people around you who love you. And, and even though you're caught in a trespass, they're going to come along and they're going to restore you and encourage you. And you say, okay, God, by faith, I'm going to say no 
to sin. By faith, I'm going to say yes to you. And by faith, I'm going to engage with some brothers and sisters who are going to encourage me to be obedient to God. And then you step out in obedience. Do you see what I'm saying? Every decision in life is either a decision to live and go across that bridge of works or to live and go across that bridge of faith. From beginning to end, the Christian life is a life of faith. And if we're going to live supernatural lives in Christ and be transformed, it's because we're living by faith. Okay, now in this passage, here's a second observation. By faith, we are redeemed, justified, and received the Holy Spirit. By faith. That's what it says in, in, in this passage. He, he, he's talking about what we receive at salvation. And he, he asks a rhetorical question in verse two. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? And that receive is in the aorist tense verb, meaning one time, not repeated, happened in the past. So when you gave your life to Jesus and you received the Holy Spirit, did that happen by faith or because you worked some program? And the answer is faith. And then he goes on to say, uh, talking about Abraham as an example, he said, he says, uh, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to them. That justification being declared righteous by God. One time, it's a forensic decision of a judge. He gives us Christ's righteousness. He gives us a righteous standing. He sees us as he sees Jesus, completely covered in his righteousness. Do we get that because we work for it or because we have faith and believe in Jesus? Faith. And then he says, and then he says this, You've been set free from this curse of having to keep all these rules and performance of which it just leads to guilt and shame because nobody measures up. And he says, verse 11, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God. The law is based on, is not based on faith, but it's based on works. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He redeemed us. God redeemed us, paid the price for our sins, set us free from the bondage of sin, purchased us so that now we belong to God. And did he do that because we worked for it or did he do it by faith? Faith. See, this is what's so powerful, why this metaphor for our whole church, cross line, when we cross the line, that, that act, decision, commitment, heart response of faith. At that moment, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. At that moment, God redeems us, pays for all of our sins, past, present, and future, purchases us, set us free. At that moment, declares us righteous, gives us the very righteousness of Jesus Christ, and all of that we receive because we receive it by faith. We receive it by faith. Now, again, you got to go back to, well, what is faith? Again, just fresh coming back from Haiti, you know, for whatever reason, there's a whole lot of factors. The spiritual dynamics of Haiti, you walk up to 10 people on the street in Haiti, and nine out of 10, if you said, do you believe in Jesus? They say, yes. If you say, is Jesus in your heart? They say, Yes, and one of the things in kind of training our guys to know how to be in conversations is that's what they say, but they don't know what that means, and it's not true. So don't be, don't, don't be sidetracked. 
And one of the illustrations that I use when, I, when I'm in Haiti co- talking to people is I say, man, that's, that's, that's awesome. You know, I'm going to go back to the United States. Would you like me to send some money for you, Western Union, so that you can have money? Oh, yeah. How about if I go back to the United States and I send $500 via Western Union, and it's there at Western Union, and I send you a, 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 an email and text messages that $500 is at Western Union for you, and you really believe it. I believe I have $500 at Western Union. In fact, you believe it. You, you even tell your friends, I believe I have $500 at Western Union. But if you never go to Western Union and get that money, does it do you any good? They go, no. Does it help you buy any food? No. Does it help you pay your rent? No. Does it help you live your life? No. So you believe it's there, but it's not doing anything for you. What do you have to do? Well, I've got to go to Western Union, show them my ID, and get the money. Then it really can help you. So then I say, let me ask you this. When you tell me you believe in Jesus, do you believe in Jesus like, oh yeah, there's money for me at Western Union? Or do you believe in Jesus because you've gone to Western Union, you've gotten the money, and today, right now, it's helping you and changing your life? How do you believe in Jesus? And every time they go, I I believe in Jesus like there's money at Western Union. I said, would you like to believe in Jesus in a way that he actually helps you now, forgives your sin now, gives you hope now, makes you a new person now, gives you eternal life right now so that you could say, I got Jesus in my life right now and really know what that means. See, that's faith. Faith is getting in the wheelbarrow. Faith is going to Western Union and appropriating for yourself what God says he gives you. It's receiving it into your life, experiencing it personally, and then acting upon it. That's faith. And by faith, by faith at the very moment of salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit, we're redeemed and we're justified. Now Paul says, because remember he's writing to people that that's probably the truth of the matter for them. Paul says one more thing in this passage, and this is what's powerful for us to experience transformation and supernatural life. God continually provides the spirit and works miracles and blesses us as we live by faith. Continuously. In other words, God wants our Christian experience not to be something that happened when we were five years old or something that happened up at Hume Lake when we were in high school at a camp or something that happened when we went to a men's retreat or even something that happened when we went on a mission trip to Haiti. God wants our experience with him to be real right now and when we get tomorrow to be real tomorrow and when we get up the next day to be real the next day and when we face a trial it's real then and when we're in a tough marriage it's real then and when we're dealing with temptation it's real then and when we have to make a just huge decision that takes us out of our comfort zone it's real then see God provides ongoing present tense the spirit God works miracles ongoing continuously God blesses continuously by means of the spirit and he does it by faith God continually provides the spirit works miracles and blesses us as we live by faith remember the two bridges there's only two ways to live by our works by what we see, by what we feel, by what makes sense to us, or by what God says is true. And we trust in God as the one who said it, and we trust in what he said, and it's faith because we act on it, and we live on the basis of its truth. 
God is the one who continually supplies the Spirit by faith, continually works miracles by faith, and continually blesses us by faith. He switches verb tenses. In the Greek text, he goes from that aorist tense to the present tense. And in fact, he puts the emphasis on himself. Because he uses participles to describe who he is. He is the one who continuously gives the Spirit. He is the one who continuously works miracles. He is the one who continuously blesses. And we are the ones who get the Spirit. We are the ones who experience the miracles. We are the one who receive the blessings when we are in a relationship with him that is based on faith. Faith. We access on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis all that God has to give us by faith. Not by works, not by feelings, by faith. We experience the Spirit. We receive God's miracles. We walk in blessings all by faith. And here's, here, here's the upside of the head message, you know? There was, I went to San Jose State, you know, the Harvard of the West. And, and we had a cheer. Our, our cheerleaders had a football cheer, and I, you know, San Jose State, I guess. Hit them up, side of the head. Hit them up, side of the head. That was it. But you have, to, you have to do it with a little swagger, you know. Hit them up, side of the head. Hit them up, side of the head. So this is the spiritual hit them up, side of the head. If, if we say, if we say we're living by faith, if we say we're living by faith, but we're not being obedient, we're just posers. We're on that tap tap going off the bridge. Because we're really living by works. We say we're living by faith, but we're really living by works. Because obedience, see, that's getting in the wheelbarrow. Obedience, that's going to Western Union and getting, getting the money. Obedience is saying, God, I trust you. I trust your word. And with what little faith I have, I'm stepping out in obedience. Notice that we don't even have to have great faith. I mean, I want to have great faith, but Jesus said if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. The the guy that brought his son to Jesus who had the epileptic demonic seizures, Jesus said, do you believe? He said, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. And Jesus said, well, when you get better faith, you can come back to me. No, you know what Jesus did? Healed his son. So what little faith you have, exercise it. Trust God and be obedient. In respect to walking in the spirit, experiencing the miraculous, getting God's blessings in your life. See, it's God who is the one who blesses. God is the one who works miracles. God is the one who provides spirit. We receive by faith and then act in obedience. That's why, and I've shared this before, and if you've read the story, you know it yourself, in, in the Hebrew scriptures, in the book of Joshua. God makes this amazing promise to Joshua because he takes over for Moses. 
I'm sure he was scared. In fact, three times in Joshua 1, he says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. I mean, just think about it. If God had to tell you three times to be strong and courageous, what are you probably struggling with? Fear. God said to Joshua, wherever you set your foot, I'm going to give you that territory. You're going to go into the promised land, and you're going to go from the top to the bottom and just conquer, and, and the land is going to be for you and your descendants. It's the land I promised to Abraham. So wherever you put your foot, I'm giving you that. And to give you the sign that I am with you, and it will be me who works in you and through you, I'm going to part the Jordan River for you and all of Israel, and you're going to go across. There's going to be this miracle, and you'll know I'm the one who's doing it, and I'm the one who's with you, and I'm the one who's going to allow you to take the land. So Joshua gets all the troops lined up. He gives them the message that God gave them. They're all excited. They start marching, and they're going towards the Jordan. And he has the priests carrying the ark up front. And, and I'm sure they were just, they were jacked with what God was doing. They were like, Pastor Greg, man, this is great. And the closer they came to the Jordan, the more they could hear the sound of the rushing water, the more the reality of the experience came to them, and the more they realized, wow, we really need a miracle. Because if I let go of the ark, God's going to zap me because the ark is holy. If I step into these waters and they don't part, the weight of the ark is going to take me to the bottom. I'm going to drown. Come on, Lord, do the miracle. You know the passage. It says, the water didn't part as they saw it. The water didn't part as they walked up to it. It was when they took that step of obedience in faith, the very moment that the soles of their sandals hit the water, it parted. See, it's at that point of our obedience of faith that God's power is released in our lives. I want it to happen before. But, but it's, in, it's in obeying because obeying is, is living by faith. See, it's not trusting in my feelings. It's not trusting in what I see. It's not trusting in my ingenuity to build a bridge over the River Jordan. It's obeying God by faith and stepping into the water and then letting God release his power. I, and I don't know what your River Jordan is today. It might be your marriage. It might be your hold on your finances. It might be your fear related to inviting someone to our Easter service. It might be your struggle with with an addiction. It may be whether to give your life to Jesus for the first time and actually get in the wheelbarrow. But God's power is released through faith, and faith is expressed in obedience. So whatever it is, don't give in to your fears. Choose faith. Choose faith. Let me pray for us. God, I, I just thank you so much for this word, and I thank you for how you've just unbelievably shown yourself faithful in my life, in this church. I pray for every person here. They're precious to you. You love them. You know exactly what's going on in their lives. You know their journey. You know that the next step has got to be a step of faith. 
Uh, I pray for people who right now are just feeling almost just tightening in their chest or just kind of redness in their face because they, it, it, it's something really personal to them. God, help them. Help them know how much you love them and how reliable you are and how these promises are truer than anything they feel. Help every person here choose to live by faith. And God, we are going to witness your answers to prayer, your miracles, your provision, your work of transformation. And we're going to thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be receiving our, our offering, and let's give our offering by faith. Let's, let's trust God. Let's give thanks to God. Let's count it a privilege to give of our finances, to bless Jesus and to, to serve Jesus and to help people for Jesus' sake. And let's believe that everything we give by faith is going to be used by God for his glory. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that we get a chance to be a part of your kingdom agenda. So I pray, Lord, that you would bless every person who's giving this morning and bless every gift for your great glory. And may we do so by faith so that it pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen.